0: The Daily Rios, episode 453, Heroes in Crisis, issue 7, Breakdown. Hey everyone, this is your host Peter, here again to talk about Heroes in Crisis, issue number 7. This is a breakdown episode where I'm going to go through page by page, cover to cover, and talk about my thoughts on this event. I am recording this on Tuesday, April 23rd, which means issue number 8 will be released Wednesday, April 24th. So I'm trying to get this out so that I don't see any spoilers. Um, Trying to put all these thoughts out so that when we get to issue 8, which apparently is going to have a whole bunch of answers, we can finally see just how well some of my speculations held up and see if any of uh, what I'm talking about makes sense. (laughs) I'm sure all of it will go into a left turn, but I'm certainly having fun... Uh, trying to piece this event together. So we're going to jump right in. Here we go. With the cover by Mitch Garrods. This is Superman stepping between Harley and Booster as they fight, although it's a scene that hasn't really happened throughout the series, I don't think. But you could certainly say that 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 kind of um, confrontation has happened thematically here and there. The second cover is by Ryan Sook, the variant that he's been doing, all these little postcards, uh, excuse me, uh, Polaroids, um, documenting various traumatic events throughout the DC Universe. This one is documenting the murder of Kilowog, the Green Lantern known as Kilowog, from back in the uh, Emerald Twilight event. ...from Green Lantern, issues 48, 49, and 50, just about 25 years ago. Uh, You can see the dates here, March 19th and August 1st. So it's a skeleton of Kilowog, because Hal Jordan is going on a rampage. He's making his way to Oa, and right before he goes and becomes Parallax, uh, he fights Sinestro, kills Sinestro and then has a second fight with Kilowog. And in this fight, he kills him. It's an issue by Ron Mars and Daryl Banks. You can see a skeleton of Kilowog, although eventually Kilowog was resurrected. So just before Hal Jordan goes into the power battery to go full parallax, he throws his ring off. And that's why in this image by Ryan Sook, if you look, there are two Green Lantern rings. One of them is in Kilowog's hand, and the other one is just there on the floor. That's because Hal Jordan tossed off his ring. So I thought that was a nice little touch that they kept here all these 25 years later. Okay, page number one. Wally is mentioning that in their wedding, in his wedding to Linda, that she uh, read a poem and the poem is a John Keats poem, just like Nark was reciting a John, a John Keats poem in issue six. The poem reads Who of men can tell that flowers would bloom, or that green fruit would swell to melting pulp, that fish would have bright mail, the earth its dower of river, wood, and vale, the meadows, runnels, runnels, pebble stones? The seed, its harvest, or the lute, its tones, tones, ravishment, or ravishment, its sweet, uh, if human souls did never kiss and greet. So this is from the Keats poem known as Endymion, uh, from Book One, Book One of Four, and it's a narrative poem, a long poem in four books, uh, named after its hero Endymion, a figure taken from Greek myth. And according to legend, He was a shepherd who fell asleep and entranced the goddess of the moon, sometimes known as Diana, Phoebe, Cynthia, uh, and she fell in love with him. So in the poem, Keats transforms this story into a lengthy and complicated quest in which Endymion desperately searches for a beautiful and mysterious goddess first glimpsed in a dream. And that's, you know directly parallel to what's going on here with Wally West, right? So, um, and Endymion feels like in the dream he he fell in love with this Im- embodiment of feminine perfection so that when he awakes, he finds he finds himself alone and heartbroken in a world that seems hideous. Again, same thing Wally is going through when he was in that limbo world. And then wakes up into this DC rebirth uh, and he has no family, right? He had a family before that, but then he comes here and he has no family. So then there's a character in the poem that urges Endymion not to ruin his life for a mere dream. And Endymion uh, replies that love is far more important than earthly fame, especially love immortal, since his first vision He has seen the reflection of his dream lover in a well and has heard her voice coming from a cave. So a lot of parallels in this poem that Tom King obviously is using to, you know, counterpoint um, Wally's predicament, trying to find his love, you know, that this love is more important than just his reality in this D.C. Rebirth, where everybody wants him to be the hope of the D.C. Rebirth, the fame of the D.C. Rebirth, and he doesn't want that. I really like the rest of the poem that happens after the lines that Wally mentions uh, that says, Now, if this earthly love has power to make men's being mortal immortal, to shake ambition from their memories and brim their measure of content, what merest whim seems all this power endeavor after fame, to one who keeps within his steadfast aim a love immortal and immortal too. Look not so wildered, for these things are true, and never can be born of atomies that buzz about our slumbers like brain flies, leaving us fancy sick. No, no, I'm sure, my restless spirit, my restless spirit never could endure to brood so long upon one luxury, unless it did, though fearfully a spy, a hope beyond the shadow of a dream. Yeah, uh, he's using a lot of this literature stuff very well, not only in this issue, but in the previous issue that we talked about. Um, And while he's saying all of this, he is taking the rows that belong to Poison Ivy, he's putting them in this field, speed-forcing it, because apparently he has that power in this version of the DC Universe, and then we see the rose, which was decaying, finally become vital once more. And then we turn to page two and three, and oh man, Clayman, whoo, you know, just upping his double-page spread once again while he's standing in a field of flowers. Apparently, from what I read on Twitter, I believe on Tom King's feed, is that Clayman drew these pages, drew every single flower, nothing was repeated, I... I I can't imagine that. That's insane, but that's amazing. And in the middle of the flowers, you can see the rose that is once again healthy. And along the flowers, you can see the words Heroes in Crisis. No no credits on it. It's just a, a total blank page, which is great, um, just to let all this artwork really stand out. Page four, Harley and Booster are fighting again as, as Batgirl and Blue Beetle looks on. So seeing Blue Beetle here totally zaps my theory that perhaps Beetle was in Booster's mind all this time. Page five, I like this little conversation between Batgirl and Blue Beetle talking about who they have worked with within this superhero business. Uh, You know, Batgirl saying that she's worked with Nightwing and Batman and Blue Beetle saying, you know, I've worked with Booster Gold. It kind of puts a nice little ranking on the hierarchy of the DC Universe. Um, and if you notice in the fight between Booster and Harley, Booster's force field is working this time. Page six, we have a confessional from Wally on his first day at Sanctuary. Um, I am questioning which Wally is this, right? So, some of it is because of his eagerness, um, almost like he's trying to convince himself that he hasn't been here before, or maybe trying to convince himself that um, this time could be different or, or something. Or maybe he's just trying to convince himself that he's the real Wally and not the Wally of the future or the past. Uh, or maybe it's the present Wally and not the future Wally. I don't know. But there was something in the phrase where he says, I am I. You know, that kind of, I don't know, felt like it could mean something, but nothing really came up in my research. So um we'll talk more about Wally and these confessionals as they go on. Page 7 is by the artist Jorge Fornés. Uh Barry has come to Bruce. If you notice the sound effect there, it says flash. I think that's pretty great. And he's doing that thing that all speedsters do. He's just talking fast and um trying to let Batman know that uh, something is going on with Booster. This artwork really, it really felt like it was almost done by Lee Weeks, especially all the Batman stuff. So uh, I like all these uh, Jorge Fornes pages, page eight and nine and ten. The artwork is by Travis Moore. So we go back to Harley and Booster. This is a splash page on page eight, where Harley says, "I saw you kill him," and Booster says, "I saw you kill him," and we saw them as readers. We saw them both kill Wally. In issues three and in and in issue uh, number six, page nine, we get an answer to why Booster has his shield. Ted managed to restore it by connecting it into the Bug's operating system, into his ship's operating system, which apparently, according to Batgirl, is tied directly to Ted's consciousness. So Batgirl punches him, and we get this era's version of one punch. If you remember way back in the 80s, uh, Batman punching Guy Gardner in the classic Justice League title by Giffen and Demetrius and company. Uh, One punch, right? It was Blue Beetle who said it, actually. He said, oh my god, one punch, one punch. I can't believe Batman took him out in one punch. And here we are, Batgirl taking out Blue Beetle, one punch. Not to mention somewhere along the way, they were... Uh, a couple, although I don't know if that's the same in the D.C. Rebirth era. All right, page 10. um, Not much on this page. If it feels like I'm skipping over the poems, the rhymes that Harley is saying, it's because I am, and there's a point to that uh, later in the issue. Page 11. We go back to Wally's confessional. He's now been at Sanctuary for one week. And again, the way he's describing his stay very flatly, very matter-of-factly, almost makes me think this is the second time he's been here. You know, I, I feel like in the early issues of Heroes in Crisis, we were seeing Wally at Sanctuary prior to and leading up to the massacre in real time. And then since then, it feels like we're seeing this second Wally, you know, almost after he was already told by his future self to go back in time, I don't know, something something like that, like maybe to go back and stop the massacre, or replace himself so that the true killer wouldn't kill someone else, or maybe placing his body back in that time, um, yeah, I don't know, again, this is sort of me speculating as I was reading this issue, and this Wally confessional, just something about it, again, made me feel like, is this a second go-around? page 12, another Jorge Fornes page, Uh, Batman and Flash are searching all over the world in their own style for Beetle and Booster. Batman is at his computer, Flash is racing around the world, Africa, Europe, Australia, and I mean, he's he's not just going to these places, he's searching every place inside those places, which is pretty amazing. And then Batman says something fun here, he says, um, I have made arrangements with Rip Hunter to have access to the Time Break files. And I thought, oh, is this a thing? Have we heard that terminology before? Time Break? Can it be a thing? Because I think that's a lot of fun. And then I also wondered, is Rip Hunter still Booster's son in the DC Rebirth era? Flash says he's faster than the Bat Radio, (laughs) to which Batman kind of hems and haws and says, well, technically maybe, but... As I was reading that, I said, come on, Batman, just take the loss. Take the loss, Batman. Page 13, page, uh, let's see, page 13, 14, and 15, and 16, all by Travis Moore. Booster's giving up. He's saying, "Eff it. You know what? He feels like he's failed. He can't do any more. He failed the future. I failed the past. I failed, I failed, I failed. He even says, I did it, which I kind of thought, wait a minute. I mean, did he? Did he do it? Or is he talking about the failure? I don't know. Um, Page 14, Harley picks up a sharp splinter of her mallet, which was destroyed. She raises it. Booster says, I'm ready. And she nails it down. But then we see on page 15 that she doesn't do it. And she collapses next to him. And I kind of wondered why. You know, was it just the sincerity that Booster had of saying that he failed? Did she understand it? Does she... I actually wrote here, does does crazy sense crazy? Maybe that's why she didn't do it. And then page 16, we see why I've been skipping over her rhymes this issue. Booster asks Harley, what's the deal with the nursery rhymes? And she says, look, I'm going to chalk it up to this. You're supposed to talk like that when you're in a fight. She figures that's what it means to be a superhero, you know? Think of Spider-Man and Deadpool. Think of Dick Grayson as Robin way before them, you know? Just very quippy and making jokes. And uh, she believes um, being a superhero, that's what you have to do. And then she says, I'm not very good at superheroing. And he says, yeah, me either. So it puts an interesting spin on the previous Heroes and Crisis issues all the way back to issue number one. She's been doing all these rhymes, all seven issues, so that th- that means that she's been thinking of herself as a hero this whole time. Page 17, the third Wally's confessional. He's now at uh, week two, and this is a pretty important one because he's laying out basically his comic book publishing history, right? He was a sidekick to Flash, he inherited the Flash Mantle, Barry came back, and he becomes a second stringer almost, right? And you would think that readers would be behind this explanation here, because there really is a section of fandom that has criticized DC's handling of Wally for years, ever since uh Flash Rebirth, ever since Barry Allen came back, you know, by Jeff Johns and Company. So they brought him back. And many people thought Wally was pushed to the side, so to those people, Wally really is the Flash, and he certainly was the Flash to anybody who watched the Justice League and Justice League unlim- Unlimited cartoons, right? So, so if you're if you're feeling like you agree that Wally was demoted, this explanation should make sense to why maybe it had to be Wally that did everything behind Heroes in Crisis, if that's what it turns out to be. Because what readers have felt is what Wally is feeling. He says, Barry died leaving me all alone. And as soon as I accepted I was alone and could go on alone, Barry came back. And he prefaces all that with, I modeled my life on my beloved Uncle Barry who died when he ran too fast to save the world, leaving me alone. And then while he says something that I'm curious if he has ever really said before, I don't think he has. Um, And it may just be because he's finally understanding it himself here on this page. He says, I had this whole family and love and stuff and they got crushed by a time crisis multi-something, which was caused by Barry. That's That's his words, which was caused by Barry. Ouch! His role model, Barry's very existence, took away Wally's life. He says here, and they're gone for good, and everyone wants me to be the symbol of hope? He's talking about the heroes of the DC Universe, but... In some way, he's also talking about readers. Readers are killing Wally, you know, wanting him to be this thing that he can't be. Wanting him to be more than what he wants, what his story should be. Go back to the poem, right? How love is far more important than earthly fame. And readers for the longest time have been saying, you know, bring back Wally, bring back Wally, bring him back to be the Flash again. Oh, but what about his family? Where have they been? I love that. I dig that. And then, keeping with the whole what is it like to grow up as a superhero thing, and maybe again, why it had to be a Wally story and why there have been so many Titans in this story. You know, because they are all kind of central to this particular type of trauma. Uh, Wally says, I've been a superhero since I was a teenager. So when most kids were developing, I was dodging bullets and occasionally getting shot by bullets. That's not a normal world to grow up in. So, um, I like that. I like that Tom King and company, you know, they're continuing that little bit of generational trauma. Um... I did think that he was younger when he became Flash's sidekick. I thought he was around 10 or 11, but they're saying he was a teenager here, but, you know, whatever. Crisis, 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 crisis. Um, Page 18, Wally says, Narc tried to explain Linda's poem to me once, which, again, that's that nod back to issue 6. And he says it's about creation, making things, how love makes things, sometimes literal things, which I would assume would be kids, um, or family, or relationship, whatever. Uh, And then he continues by saying, everything grows out of love, or, and then you have to turn to page 19 because he finishes it with, out of love, everything grows. Now on page 18, at first glance, I couldn't tell if those bottom panels, if we were zooming into the flower, as Wally's speed force did again, or is it growing? Because when we get to page 19, and we see yet another splash page, and we see poison ivy. Wally has regrown poison ivy through whatever that power is that he has. She's not dead, she's looking very skeletal, very plant-like, very Swamp Thing-esque, um... If that rose was part of her, and Wally has this power to restore life, maybe? Uh, Or maybe manipulate time and space? Not quite sure. Uh, But here we are. Poison Ivy is not dead. She is back. Page 20 and 21. These are by Travis Moore again. Uh, Booster and Batgirl and Beetle and Harley are all talking. And Booster says, Wally's body is five days older than it was when we saw him die. So now, is he implying that the body was swapped out? That maybe he wasn't dead at the hands of either Booster or Harley? Or swapped out right at the last minute before their fatal blows? So that's why... um, The body was five days older, but maybe Wally himself wasn't right before he was dead, right before he was killed. I'm not sure. That's going to be an interesting um, explanation once we get it. So then the four, they enact a plan. They're going to boost Skeet so that he can possibly detect if there are any time disturbances, and they're going to use cord satellites to do so. And I have to imagine that's going to bring about the entire superhuman community on top of them, but... Um, Batgirl even suggests that maybe Wally is hurting, um, I don't know, I I don't think they're suspecting him, maybe that's the wrinkle, maybe that's the thing they're going to come up on and realize, oh, it really is him, but I did have to look at them and think, I don't recall any of them having a real serious relation to Wally, a friendship, a serious relationship, whatever, maybe during the Justice League Europe days, and there might be some connection during the Morrison JLA days. So, you know, Beetle and Booster are familiar with him. I don't remember much of Batgirl um, with Wally. Oh, oh God, God, I totally forgot. She was Oracle. She was Oracle during the whole Morrison JLA days. So I take that back. So, yeah, she probably does know Wally really well. All right, just forget everything I said there. Uh, page 21. Uh, Booster has a very rah-rah speech. Uh Determining why it should be them behind all this. And he says blue and gold. And Harley Quinn says the dynamic or duo. Which is Harley and Batgirl. Page 22. This is another Jorge Fornes page. Batman and Flash have finally been tipped off. Uh, they're going to go find out what's going on, I guess. Um, I really would love to know if these inserts are because they are a new part of the story. Were they in the original part of the story? Does it have something to do with the the story crossover story arc that was in their titles that I have yet to talk about called The Price? One day, I guess, we'll find out. Page 23, Wally and Poison Ivy are talking. And Wally, again, almost confessing, he did it. He says to Poison Ivy, I didn't help you, I hurt you. And then I did this. This doesn't make up for the hurt and then continues to say, I'm sorry you'll have to see this. You'll see my death. And then with a crack of lightning, here comes a second Wally West. Probably, as I said, because one of them has to go back in time and replace the body that was killed by someone? This is all feeling very much like the Flash TV series with the time remnants and the temporal duplicates I almost feel like Wally could almost be stuck in a loop, right? He he goes through sanctuary, um maybe jumps forward and then sent the forward flash back, the forward Wally back, and then does it again or or the 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 Flash that was sent back, obviously, is the one that is killed because it's five days too old, but then where does he go from there? I don't know. Very confusing. We'll find out in issue eight, though. Um, And then if Wally is bringing Poison Ivy back, can he bring anyone else back from those people who were killed? Like Roy or uh, Steel or, I don't know, um, any of them, any of the characters that were killed. And then finally, the last page, page 24 week three, Wally is getting worse, or maybe he's sensing the inevitable, and he says week four, and then that's all we get. So this is, uh, yeah, in this issue, I mean, we saw a lot of confessionals by Wally. We we really didn't see many in the previous issues. I think the last time we did was in issue three, um, and then again um, in issue six, I guess. But you can see there's a weight on him, and something is going to happen. And then we get the title, Too Fast to Save the World. And that goes back to what Wally said about how Barry died. And uh, I guess that's going to be how Wally dies. Um, and then we get the credits here, which I didn't read at the top of the episode. Shame on me. Tom King, Clay Mann, I mentioned Jorge uh, Fornes, and uh, Travis Moore. We have Tome More and uh, on colors Clayton Cowles on letters. So, you know, not much for this issue in terms of really digging in deep because I feel like uh, you know we're gearing up for all of that stuff to happen in issue eight, which is coming out tomorrow. Um, my theories sort of stay the same. Wally did it, or the AI did it, um, and if Wally did it, maybe he did it for a reason, and he's going to fix it along the way. Uh, what's up with all the time stuff between Harley and Booster, what is their role in all of this, who are the puddlers, um, the whole notion of the chattering teeth and Commander Steele's throat, how is the public going to respond to all this, how is the superhuman community going to respond to this, who was the one leaking all of this information to Lois Lane, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot still to be had. So we're going to get a bunch of reveals in issue 8, apparently, and then issue 9 will wrap everything up. So that's it for me for this episode. If you have any comments, peter at thedailyrios.com or leave a comment on the website, thedailyrios.com. Come follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios. And be kind if you are someone who reads Heroes in Crisis number 8 early. Try not to spoil it for anybody else. There's a lot of stuff going on right now between Heroes in Crisis, Game of Thrones, and Avengers Endgame, right? There's a lot of minefields to walk across in social media, so be kind. Be kind with your spoilers. All right, this has been The Daily Rios, episode 453. Talk to you soon. Bye.